0: Grace and peace to you all, and welcome to The Calvary Road with Pastor Sam Allen.
1: We need to tell people if they're blessed, it's because God's good, not because they've been good. And, and if, if they're sick, they can pray, and, and God's a healer, and, and lots of people say, well, I don't even know how to pray. Well, let me pray for you. And listen, if you think they have to believe in Jesus before He touches them, before He loves on them, before He, he ministers to them, that's not how He works.
0: today's broadcast, we have part two of Pastor Sam's message, A Man Born Blind. We're looking at the ninth chapter in the book of John, and we're going to begin today in verse 14. We're finishing up our look at the blind man that was healed by Jesus, whom the Pharisees went off the rails on. Instead of being amazed that this man could see, they kicked him out of the temple and escalated their war against Jesus. So let's listen in.
1: But if you're new to all this, just know this. It was against the law to work on the Sabbath. And God's law was pretty clear. He wanted everyone to take a day of rest, a day with the family, a day of fellowship, a day of worship, a day where nothing outside messed with what was inside But these guys, they just added to and added to and added to his word until they absolutely obscured the simplicity and reason for the Sabbath. And so to them, making clay is working. It's not very hard work, at least not the way he did it. He gets a little dirty, spits in his hand, he rubs it all together and plops it in the guy's eye, tells him, hey, go wash that off. In the midst of that, they're going to use that and say, this is, this is it. We've got him now. And listen, these guys, they are seriously blind, not just to their motivations, but, but to the craziness of what they're trying to accomplish. Well, the Pharisees then said, verse 16, this man is not from God. And you know, you can say this man, behold the man, or, or, or this man, or you're the man. Or it can sound more like a pejorative. You are the man. And this man, that's how they're saying it. They're comparing themselves and even pointing him out. He's not from God. Just like we were not born of fornication. We saw it last time. The implication is he was. And here, this man is not from God. The implication is we are. But he's not. And Why isn't he from God? He does not keep the Sabbath. Listen, Jesus is the only one who ever kept the Sabbath. He's the only one. And and even before all the rules and regulations and restrictions, it would have been difficult. You could only walk a certain distance. You couldn't light a fire. There were were some things that kind of made sense. And then they just exploded it into all these rules and regulations and restrictions. They made it so easy to fail, it became impossible to succeed. And so some are saying this man is not from God. Now, they couldn't see it because they're blind spiritually and he will testify to that reality. Others said, how can a man who's a sinner do such signs? And there was a division among them. It's a great question. How can anyone do the impossible unless God makes it possible? The one exception, if it's God himself doing it and that's exactly what's going on here they say to the blind man again what do you say about him because he opened your eyes now he already told him everything he knows about Jesus he's a man his name's Jesus he made some mud he put it in my eyes he told me to go wash in the pool of Siloam I went I washed and I came back seeing that's everything he knows but now they're asking for more. So he's like, okay, listen, what have I heard? Because people who can't see can hear. And he's like, I think I remember somebody saying John the Baptist, but man, that's crazy. That's not, that doesn't make any sense. He goes, I know he's a prophet. He feels obligated to answer a question he really doesn't have an answer for. So he guesses maybe he's a prophet. Here's the thing. The prophets came saying, thus says the Lord. Go through the gospels, you'll never see Jesus saying, thus says the Lord. You know why? You do, right? He is the Lord. He says, you've heard it has been said unto you, but I say unto you. He didn't have to say, thus says the Lord, because he's the Lord who's speaking. Well, anyway, he doesn't know much about Jesus. But he does realize that, well, he's just not like everyone else. He will, by the way, grow increasingly bold. It's something important to grab hold of today because that the, those who are approaching him and dealing with him are going to intensify the questions. It's going to move from mere questions to an interrogation but he is going to grow increasingly bold. He's not going to shy back or, or, you know, wither up. He's going to stand toe to toe. And before we get to the end of this, he's saying some amazing things to them. Well, anyway, the, the bottom line is he won't know who Jesus actually is until Jesus reveals himself to him. And I I love that because, of course, that's going to happen. And it's a reminder again, we need to tell people if they're blessed, it's because God's good, not because they've been good. And and if if they're sick, they can pray and and God's a healer. And and lots of people say, well, I don't even know how to pray. Well, let me pray for you. And listen, if you think they have to believe in Jesus before he touches them, before he loves on them, before he, he ministers to them, That's not how he works. He's good because he's good. He's gracious because he's gracious. He's merciful because he's merciful. It's never in reciprocation to us. Ours is always in reciprocation to his. He initiates, we reciprocate. Well, the Jews did not believe concerning him that he'd been blind. I love this. They decide, okay, well, this, he must be faking it. He was just there begging all those years pretending to be blind. So uh, they don't believe he'd been blind and received his sight until they called the parents of him who received his sight. And they asked them saying, is this your son who you say was born blind? How then does he see? Imagine how crazy this is. The greatest possible thing that could ever happen. Well, second greatest thing that could and will ever happen to their son just occurred. He was blind physically and now he can see. And they should have been celebrating and probably were. They were probably rejoicing and celebrating and just whooping it up with their friends. And the religious leaders call them in. And this begins and will be throughout an interrogation. So here they are on trial before the leaders of Israel because Jesus has healed their son and given him his sight. His parents answered them and said, we know that this is our son and that he was born blind, but by what means he now sees, we do not know. Or who opened his eyes, we do not know. He is of age. ask him, he will speak for himself. They're saying, listen, here's what we know, but how these things happen, how this thing happened, how the impossible just happened, we don't know at all. His parents said these things, verse 22, and it is seriously sad because they feared the Jews for the Jews had agreed already. That if anyone confessed that he was the Christ, he would be put out of the synagogue. Therefore, his parents said, he is of age. Ask him. The leaders had, well, they'd made a tragic decision. And in doing so, they'd robbed them of a chance to celebrate publicly, to testify publicly. They'd made it clear if anyone says Jesus is the Christ, they're out, excommunicated. And we can't begin to understand how serious that would be for them because our culture is so fragmented and we have so many places to go and so many things to do for them The synagogues, they were the center or the temple if you lived in Jerusalem. But the synagogues and the temple, that is the center of their entire existence. It's all about family and it's all about the spiritual realities of sacrifice and worship and and fellowship and, and those things. So to be to cast out, well, man, it just leaves you literally an outcast. You still have your family, but in many cases, you wouldn't even have them because those who are still afraid of, of the religious leaders, well, they would shun you. So they, they, you know, warn everybody, don't, whatever you do, don't say that you believe that Jesus is the Christ. If anyone confessed he was the Christ, he'd be put out of the synagogue. Therefore, his parents said he is of age. Ask him. You know, today, again, religion tolerated, Jesus, not so much. You can say, well, I'm a Christian. Yeah, what kind of Christian are you? Well, you know, the kind that believes that Jesus died for our sin, was buried and rose again, and then it's over. They either walk away or the, the intensity builds up. But, but to, to, to say the simple truth that Jesus died for our sins, he was buried, he rose again, that he came that we could have life eternal and life abundant, it makes you intolerant of of whatever they believe. When the crazy reality and wonderful reality is, is, listen, we tell the truth because we're of the truth. We've become the light of the world. We can't deny what we know to be true because people are uncomfortable with the truth. They always have been, and they always will be. Well, verse 24, they again called the man who was blind and said to him, give God the glory. I think he's been doing that. We know this man is a sinner. They knew? No, they didn't know. They have never trapped him in a sin or found him committing a sin. They don't even have rumors that he'd sinned. They could interview anyone who knew him and they'd say, well, he might be a sinner, but I don't know anything about that. So again, they knew. No, they didn't know. And if they had said this about anyone else, if someone told you, you know, that pastor of yours is a sinner, you better just say, oh, yeah, we know. And it's like, he doesn't try to hide that. Oh, and, and, and it's true for you. I've say, you know those people in your congregation, they're all sinners. Yeah, that's the whole reason we're together. A group of people who were dead in trespasses and sin who found the Lord and now we're growing in him so we can be better reps for him. And so we can stand before him and hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Looking forward to that day. And I know it's closer than it's ever been. Well, In any case, he answered and said, Whether he's a sinner or not, I do not know. There's nothing this guy says that I don't love and appreciate. One thing I know though I was blind, now I see. Again, note the simplicity of the testimony. Earlier it was, he told me to go, he put mud in my eyes. He told me to go wash. I went, I washed, and I came back seeing. Now he says, he even shortens the testimony for them because they seem to have trouble with all those words. I was blind, now I see. That's one powerful testimony. One powerful, powerful testimony. Well, They answered, saying to him again, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? Why? They're still fishing. They're still finding, trying to find some way to get at Jesus, find something to accuse him of that will stick and allow them to do what they're wanting and desiring and intending to do to him. He answered them, I told you already and you did not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? I do want to say this isn't totally respectful, but if he were my son, I'd be, I am so proud of you. If he were my grandson, I'd be so proud of you. I'd be proud of you if you did the same. A group of religious hypocrites surround you. They begin to ask questions. And that you can't answer, but, but you're like, listen, why do you keep asking me the same question? I told you all I know. Are you wanting to follow him too? And I'm pretty sure he's beginning to mess with them. Verse 28, they reviled him. I think that means the intensity is going up a notch. And said, you are his disciple, but we are Moses' disciples by the way, neither is true, not yet. He's not yet Jesus disciple. He's just somebody Jesus healed and he doesn't even know who he is or where he is. He just knows his name and he knows what he's done for him, but he's not yet following Jesus. That's about to happen though. And as far as them becoming Moses disciples, we covered that in one of our last couple studies. They were not Followers of Moses. They were not keepers of the law. They only imagined they were. They were not descendants of Abraham. Ethnically, yes. Physically, yes, but not spiritually, because Abraham believed God. And God accounted it to him for righteousness. Abraham believed God. He obeyed and walked by faith in him. Well, they reviled him, you're his disciple. We're Moses' disciples. Then he says, we know that God spoke to Moses. Oh, this is still them. As for this fellow, we don't know where he's from. And the man answered and said to them, why? This is a marvelous thing. You don't know where he's from, yet he has opened my eyes again. He's gone from saying what he knew and what he didn't know to preaching. He's no longer just saying, hey, I was blind and now I see. You don't know where he's from. How's that possible? I don't know either, but I do know this. I was blind and now I can see. We know this. Now we know, he continues, that God does not hear sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, he hears them. Since the world began, it has been unheard of that anyone opened the eyes of one who was born blind. If this man were not from God, that's what they, they, they were telling him. He's not from God. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. And they answered and said to him, you were completely born in sins. And are you teaching us? And they cast him out. It's powerful. Just as they found themselves in a place with Jesus in their last conversation with him that they had lost all hope of winning the argument so they just say we weren't born of fornication they call him a Samaritan they say we weren't born of fornication listen neither was he he was born miraculously he wasn't even born naturally they were born in sin But they're accusing this guy of being born in sin and Jesus of being a sinner. And none of that's reality. And so it says they cast him out. Ordinarily, that would be the worst thing that could happen to somebody. I already mentioned why. You're breaking fellowship with the religious community, but it's going to turn out that the only really spiritual community, the righteous community, aren't welcome among them anyway. So he is cast out from them, but it leads to another encounter with our Lord and an even greater miracle. Jesus heard that they cast him out. And when he had found him, he said to him, do you believe in the son of God? And he answered and said, who is he, Lord, that I may believe in him? He expresses his desire to become a believer in the true and living God, in the true and living son of God. And Jesus said, you've both seen him and it is he who's talking with you. Jesus asked a question, the blind, the man who was formerly blind expresses his desire. Then there's a revelation. Hey, you're looking at him and you're listening to him. And he says, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped him. This is redemption, you see. It's one thing to call him Lord. Many say, Lord, Lord, only to hear, I never knew you, but he worshipped him. That's redemption. His eyes have been opened physically, and here his eyes are opened spiritually. I think I mentioned it's a progressive revelation. Here's how it's gone. Verse 11 He knew him as a man called Jesus. Verse 17, a prophet. Verse 34, a man from God. And now he knows he's Lord and he worships him. Jesus said, for judgment I've come into this world that those who do not see may see and those who see may be made blind. Then some of the Pharisees who were with them heard these words and said to him, are we blind also? Jesus said to them, if you were blind, you would have no sin. Important, he's not saying you wouldn't be sinners, you wouldn't be guilty of the sin you're committing right now. But now you say, We see, therefore your sin remains. Back in Matthew's gospel, when we went through it, Jesus said, The lamp of the body is the eye. And if your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad or evil, your whole body, will be full of darkness. He's saying you'll be full of one or you'll be full of the other. And we've learned that when you're full of something and somebody bumps you, whatever you're full of spills out on them. If you're filled with darkness and someone bumps in, they're gonna see the darkness and hear it. If you're full of light, they're gonna see and hear the light. You know, David learned Because and he learned through his sin, of course, he was guilty of sin. And and we sang it earlier. Let let me read you where that that last song came from. It's in um, Psalm 51. I'll read you just three verses from it. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the multitude of your tender mercies, blot out my transgressions, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity, cleanse me from my sin for I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is always before me. This is David confessing and asking for mercy and asking for forgiveness. Purge me in verse seven of the same chapter, Psalm 51. Purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. We're told if we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. There's an exhortation early in the book of Isaiah. It's Isaiah 1 where God says to Israel through Isaiah and he would be saying to us today, wash yourselves, make yourself clean, Put away the evil of your doings from before your eyes. Cease to do evil. Learn to do good. Seek justice. Rebuke the oppressor. Defend the fatherless. Plead for the widow. Listen, when he says to wash yourself and make yourself clean, the only washing we can engage in is to stop doing the sinful things that have defined us and start doing the, the righteous things that should define us but there's still a need for cleansing. Why? He's saying you can clean your life up, but only Jesus can cleanse us of our sins. I could stop sinning on a regular basis, you know, proud of it and boasting about it. And I've done all that. And you too, prayerfully and hopefully, but, uh, and I can start doing all the things God wants me to do and still be dead in trespasses and sin. So it, not just an exhortation to stop that and start this, but but an invitation. Listen, it's verse 18 of the very same chapter, Isaiah 1. Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall be As I find it fascinating
0: how these Pharisees just continue in their war against Jesus. It appears they have no clue that it's a war that they will never be able to win. And we have no idea if any of them ever came to grips with who Jesus really is, and if any of them ever were able to make peace with God. Because if they didn't, they're not in a very good place right now. And we need to understand how important it is for us to be at peace with the Lord. This does not matter whether we are at war with him or he is at war with us. Neither is going to end well for us. Romans 5.1 tells us that therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now this makes it really simple. When we place our faith in Christ to be who he says he is and to do what he says he will do, it simultaneously ends conflict on all fronts. We, unlike these Pharisees, will no longer be waging war against God, and God no longer has any reason to be against us. We are truly at peace on all fronts. The Calvary Road is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Chico, and you can visit our website ccchico.com or download the CC Chico app to contact us and listen to other studies from Pastor Sam.